0: So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there. Welcome back to the New Testament podcast. This will be for 1 Peter chapter 1. So I'm going to read a little background about 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter was addressed to the saints in five provinces in Asia Minor. In Peter's day, the Roman government displayed a general tolerance for all religions, including Christianity. The church was under a divine commission to preach the gospel into all the world, and it began by circulating the gospel message throughout the Roman Empire. Although the gospel was spread by peaceful means, the message proclaiming the coming of the risen Christ as the King of Kings was not a favorable message to the Roman monarchs, In AD 64 a fire destroyed much of Rome. The Emperor Nero was implicated in the tragedy despite his efforts to help those who became homeless because of it. In an effort to divert the blame, Nero pointed an accusing finger at the Christians. Soon, the saints throughout the empire were persecuted because of hatred and misunderstandings. This change from tolerance to hostility provoked great anxiety among the saints. About the same time, Peter wrote to encourage the saints in their sufferings and to remind them of the eternal reward for their faithfulness. Peter wrote this epistle from Babylon, which probably means Rome. In this epistle, Peter included some of the most revealing statements in the Bible about salvation for the dead. Some of the other principles taught is to live in faith and holiness as a chosen generation, follow the Savior's example in enduring trials and persecution, partake of the divine nature and strive to make our calling and election sure, resist false teachers and those who deny the second coming. Peter's writing seems to be more patient than when Jesus was on earth. These epistles are close to the end of Peter's life. He has learned a lot since his call to the apostleship. About 30 years have passed. Peter was one whom Jesus could trust to give the keys of the kingdom. No New Testament author emphasized the peculiar nature of saints and the ways in which they differ from the world with more clarity and beauty than Peter. Joseph Smith said of him, Peter penned the most sublime language of any of the apostles. So the heading to chapter 1 reads, The trial of our faith precedes salvation, Christ foreordained to be the Redeemer. First, Peter was probably written from Rome about A.D. 62 or 63. Verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. By strangers, he doesn't mean those he hasn't met yet. Oh, maybe it is those he hasn't met yet, but it's also those that are... uh, that that are different and those that may not be in the church, uh, but these are members of the church. Verse 2, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. To be sanctified is to become clean and pure, spotless, to be free from the blood and sins of the world, to become a new creature of the Holy Ghost, one whose body has been renewed by the rebirth of the Spirit. Sanctification is a state of saintliness, a state attained only by conformity to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. The plan of salvation is the system and means provided whereby men stay, whereby men may sanctify their souls and thereby become worthy of a celestial inheritance. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. We learn from Abraham too that in the premortal existence the spirit offspring of God were not all the same. Abraham saw that there were both noble and great, and less than noble and great spirits in the in the premortal realm. President Joseph Fielding Smith explained, The spirits of men had their free agency. Some were greater than others, and from among them the Father called and foreordained his prophets and rulers. Jeremiah and Abraham were two of them. The spirits of men were not equal. They may have been an, had an equal start, and we know that they were innocent in the beginning. But the right of free agency, which was given to them, enabled some to outstrip others, and thus, through the eons of immortal existence, to become more intelligent, more faithful for they were free to act for themselves, to think for themselves, to receive the truth or rebel against it. Joseph Feeling Smith also said, Those who were more valiant in the premortal world earned certain blessings in mortality. One of the major blessings they earned in this lo- in, is the right to have access to the gospel in mortality. To ensure this right, the valiant of God's spirit children were f- foreordained to be born into a particular lineage, the house of Israel. There was a group of tested, tried, and proven souls before they were born into the world. That was what Elder Melvin J. Ballard taught. And the Lord provided a lineage for them, that lineage is the house of Israel, the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their posterity. Through this lineage were to come the true and tried souls that had demonstrated their righteousness in the spirit world before before they came here. We came through that lineage. Our particular branch is the house of Joseph through his son Ephraim. That is the group from whence shall come the majority of the candidates for celestial glory. Again, that was by uh, Melvin J. Ballard. Herbie Lee said, It would seem very clear then that those born to the lineage of Jacob, who was later to be called Israel and his posterity, who were known as the children of Israel, were born into the most illustrious lineage of any of those who came upon the earth as mortal beings. All these rewards were seemingly promised or foreordained before the world was. Surely these matters must have been determined by the kind of lives we had lived in that premortal spirit world. Some may question these assumptions, but at the same time they will accept without any question the the belief that each one of us will be judged when we leave this earth according to his or her deeds during our lives here in mortality. Isn't it just as reasonable to believe that what we have received here in this earth, in this earth life, was given to each of us according to the merits of our conduct before we came here? As members of the house of Israel, the valiant were rightful heirs of the gospel. Of this, Elder McConkie stated, Israel is an eternal people. Members of that chosen race first gained their inheritance with the faithful in pre-mortal life. Israel was a distinct people in pre-existence. Many of the valiant and noble spirits in that first estate were chosen, elected, and foreordained to be born into the family of Jacob, so as to be natural heirs of all the blessings of the gospel. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. This is the election of grace Paul spoke of. Elder McConkie explained further, This election of grace is a very fundamental, logical, and important part of God's dealings with men through the ages. To bring to pass the salvation of the greatest possible number of his spirit children, the Lord in general sends the most righteous and worthy spirits to earth through the lineage of Abraham and Jacob. This course is a manifestation of his grace or in other words, his love, mercy, and condescension toward his children. This election to a chosen lineage is based on preexistent worthiness and is thus made according to the foreknowledge of God. Those so grouped together during their mortal probation have more abundant opportunities to make and keep the covenants of salvation, a right which they earned by pre-existent devotion to the cause of righteousness. As part of this election, Abraham and others of the noble and great spirits were chosen before they were born for the particular missions assigned them in this life. As with every basic doctrine of the gospel, the Lord's system of election based on preexistent faithfulness has been changed and perverted by an apostate Christendom. So absurd have been the false conclusions reached in this field that millions of sincere though deceived persons have devoutly believed that in accordance with the divine will, men were predestined to receive salvation or damnation with no, which no act on their part could change. That was all by Joseph Smith. Actually, if the full blessings of salvation are to follow, the doctrine of election must operate twice. First, righteous spirits are elected or chosen to come to mortality as heirs of special blessings, then must be called and elected again in this life an occurrence which takes place when they join the true church. Finally, in order to reap eternal salvation, they must press forward in in obedient devotion to the truth until they make their calling and election sure, that is, are sealed up unto eternal life. The LDS Bible Dictionary states that the election of grace has reference to one's situation in mortality, that is, being born at a time, at a place, and in a circumstances where one will come in favorable contact with the gospel. This election took place in the premortal existence. Verse 3, Blessed be the God of and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, or a living hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Though the thunders might roll and lightnings flash and earthquakes bellow and war gather thick around, yet this hope and knowledge would support the soul in every hour of trial, trouble, and tribulation. That was by Joseph Smith. Verse 4 to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready or prepared to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations or trials or afflictions, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Our trials help us perfect us. Verse 8, Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. By successfully passing through our trials, we obtain the promise and joy. Verse 9, Receiving the object of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, in other words, the goal or the purpose Concerning which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what what time and what manner of salvation the spirit of christ which was in in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of christ and the glory which should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto uh, unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the holy ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look to look into wherefore gird up your loins Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you as the, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That means conduct. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. In other words, consecrated for a special purpose or set apart. And if ye call on the Father who, without respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a, burden, with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass where withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter, and we will see you next time. Bye.